Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. It's Rochester Today, Tuesday, and that means, of course, Tom Ostrom has joined us. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew. We've navigated through unbelievable technical challenges to bring this program to you today. So <laughs> I hope it turns out okay. I hope it turns out better than your Packers did the other night. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I, Detroit outplayed them. That's all there is to it. Sure. Uh, they outplayed the Packers on a cold Packer field. It should have been the Packer advantage. They just couldn't get a touchdown when they needed it. And uh, uh, Detroit did. Detroit played very well. So your Vikings go on to play the New York Giants, if I got that complicated yep. schedule right, at 3.30 uh, uh, next Sunday. And we'll keep our fingers crossed on that one. Uh, the takeaway I got from the game with the Packers in Detroit Sunday night was that uh, Detroit might be a team to watch out for in a year or so. Yeah, they got a, a lot new- of New coach, huh? And a lot of young players who seem ready and raring to go. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. I don't know about your uh, Mr. Rogers, whether he'll be back next year. No, they offered him a big contract already, but uh, he can walk out of it, I guess. Well, we shall see. see I think what hurt them, too, Crosby is an infallible field goal kicker, and one of his kicks hit the crossbar and bounced back. That's a three-point edge that they lost, um, you know. And and then uh, I remember that uh, you know the quarterback for Green Bay uh, passed to a Arf. man, yeah, passed to a man in the almost in the end zone, and and he dropped it, uh, and that set them back. But uh, Detroit never had setbacks; they kept playing. But your Vikings are going on and on, and they've earned it. Well, I mean, they've got to play a lot stronger than they did even on uh, on Sunday. So, well, they're there. We'll see what happens. What's in the mailbag, by the way? Okay. Branco, Trump border security policy. It shows Mayorkas, the Department of Homeland Security secretary, and he's saying, stop saying the border is open while he's running a Derek with the ball and he's knocking holes in the wall. <laughs> but uh, Joe visited El Paso, but he didn't visit downtown where the migration crunch is occurring. And uh, police cleared a public street for him, so he didn't see that stuff. And it's just, uh, uh, and he didn't stick around for the press or for officials to ask him questions. But Governor Abbott of Texas uh, did shake hands with Joe and handed him a letter listing the impact of illegal immigration and says, do your job, do your job. And hundreds of demonstrators were there to say, uh, impeach Joe, impeach Joe. So he went down there, but what was accomplished? I don't know. He did come out with a, with a term in a new immigration framework, which whether he can do that by executive order or not, I am not Sure, perhaps, but apparently it increases the number of people who can legally enter the United States each year from certain countries, mainly Latin America. Um, And then it 
supposedly toughens the expulsion rule that if you cross the border illegally and then seek a, uh, asylum, you'll be more um, strenuously uh, pushed back out uh, to Mexico. And then Mexico is supposed to have tightened their um, policies to more quickly deport those who have crossed illegally. But yet, nothing mentioned about actually securing the border. It's all, it's all policy. Let's put it that way. And then Joe had his picture taken at the border wall, like he's going to get credit standing by uh, uh, border officers, uh, standing by the border wall that he's trying to dismantle that Trump had built. So it goes on and on. And then finally, McCarthy was uh, late at night uh, elected uh, Speaker of the House. And evidently he had to capitulate uh, to his opponents and grant a lot of uh, concessions to them about procedure and committees and everything else. Uh, And Joe uh, writes this, uh, he was against the chaos uh, of the voting. And then he said this to continue the mailbag, Tom, I'm finding myself on the fence now about all this chaos. Maybe the 20 are the spark to ignite change in Washington from business as usual. Maybe birth pains portend the coming of new life. Oh, okay. We can talk more about that later on in national news as well. Uh, Okay, Uh, if you wish to, go ahead. I think I'm exhausted on the topic, but I'll (laughs) what you want to say if you don't want to say it now. And then from our last mailbag from Angie, uh, Tom, I'm I'm very puzzled about the Democratic leader of the House, Hakeem Jeffries. He said last Friday he, along with the Democrat Party, uh, had information and they honored the police officers that were at the Capitol. And he said police officers were attacked and killed by the bloodthirsty mob. My news sources say no police officers were killed. One died of natural causes. The only person killed that day was Ashley Babbitt who they never mentioned, uh, the unarmed female veteran shot at close range by a police officer. She posed no threat. And I've got more on that issue uh, later to to mention because uh, there's more on Ashley Babbitt and her mother that happened over the weekend. All right. And then uh, Rose also sent me a note, a mailbag that... uh, uh, there's people that are called uh, conspiracy theorists uh, are called that by people who want to shut off discussions again that they don't want to pursue or that they're not aware of. And uh, and the labeling goes on. But that's the mailbag. That's an old label, too, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's been around for a long time. Um, yeah, we can talk about that later on, too. The, uh, the deaths that they're referring to are people who died of heart attacks or medical conditions that may have been related to the stress that they incurred while working at the Capitol today. And that's that's the connection that they try to use for the um, fatalities on that. We'll, we'll take a break and we'll continue with more of Rochester Today with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. In just a moment on News Talk 1340 KROC AM. 
and 96.9 FM. The There's always time for the... With Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back. Rochester Today, Tuesday. Tom Ostrom's here. Minnesota News, Tom, the state legislature at work um, advancing the agenda of the new Democrat majority in both the House and Senate. Um, bill number one in both the House and the Senate is the abortion bill, which um, doesn't really match up well with what the polling says about what Minnesotans believe, but it certainly matches up with the uh, promises of the Democrats who ran for office last time. And I wonder how long this issue will be at the forefront for them. They apparently analyzed that they believe that is the issue that won for them in uh, the November election, and perhaps they're right. Maybe it was enough to mobilize people and get them out to vote. But if they push the issue too far, which this legislation may, because it basically, from what I understand, it has been reported, would be that it would legalize abortion up to birth in the state of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, and base, you know, more or less get rid of whatever restrictions are in place today um, and will make Minnesota stand out as the, the abortion provider of the upper Midwest. And obviously it's an extraordinarily divisive issue and the state is extraordinarily divided on the issue. So the question mark remains, will that be a winning campaign slogan for them in two years because they're going to push it to the limits, apparently. And a lot of physicians simply don't want to do abortion, so uh, I don't know how accessible it'll be, whatever Minnesota passes. But the Supreme Court did not outlaw abortion. They simply handed it over to state legislatures and let them and the people decide what states will do it and which ones won't, and people can travel to those states course that's an inconvenience and a cost but uh it hasn't been outlawed and this what's happening in minnesota is largely symbolic as well uh, that the u.s minnesota supreme court had issued a ruling that uh granted the right to access to abortion in minnesota now if you were to get enough of a change of the makeup of the Minnesota Supreme Court that that ruling could be overturned. That could go away, but it seems highly unlikely uh, considering the governor just got reelected to a four-year term. And it's been a while since the Republican has won a statewide office in this state. Yeah, yeah. And by changing the law, all you'd have to do is have a new majority in the state legislature to pass another piece of legislation to void this law. Mm-hmm. So either you're going to amend the state constitution to enshrine the right to abortion or ban abortion or restrict abortion, or you're going to change it legislatively. This law is symbolic, Mm -hmm. but it's the number one priority in St. Paul this year. The other, the other part I was going to mention is the tax business. We've got 17, almost $18 billion in budget surplus looking us straight in the eye. And from what I can tell, there's no, real talk about long-term tax reductions for Minnesotans. The governor's pushing for the one-time checks that, uh, well, Ventura did it. Now he would like to do it. The Biden administration did it, and so did the Trump administration. 
And the governor has said that he would want to do it this way because he doesn't want to get ahead of ourselves as far as the economy is concerned. If there's a downturn, if we enact long-term tax cuts, we would uh, perhaps pay the price for that if there were a downturn in the economy. But at the same time, he's talking about increasing spending for education significantly and indexing it to the rate of inflation, which would mean automatic increases Mm -hmm. in state education funding moving forward. (laughs) I don't know how well that's going to go over. We'll see. Well, Democrats are in charge of everything in the state of Minnesota, so we'll see. Uh, The KROC News website, uh, sheriffs were sworn in last week across southeast Minnesota, and T.J. Leverance uh, uh, had a wonderful article on the swearing-in of of Elmstead County Sheriff Kevin Torgerson, and uh, and, uh, the the website showed uh, Torgerson and uh, the wonderful uh, speech that he gave about the honor that he feels for having been chosen again for the position and the objectives he has in Olmstead County to help all those who are in need and um, handle the crime situation and the illicit drugs and everything else and how to how to support those in need and serve our communities. When I think of, we've talked about Matt Dillon on Gunsmoke, the ultimate uh, lawman hero, <laughs> and I think of Torgerson and and the, how I think of him with Matt, and I think of uh, Matt with him. I think we're very fortunate to have the sheriff that we have. I agree with you, uh, and the sheriff, our sheriff, Homestead County, has now become somewhat of a statewide figure because of his stances he's taken against the legalization of marijuana and some other issues, including uh, the processes that are used for the release of people accused of crimes on bail and how the a vast majority of these offenders are now getting out without any bail, including people who have been com- accused of violent crimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been quoted statewide on his stances on that and also his opposition to this legalization of recreational marijuana, which seems to be like a sure thing at this point. And last uh, last program, you mentioned the new attorney of Hennepin County, Mary Moriarty, how she took her oath of office, uh, not on a Bible, but on a on a novel, a literary tract about the late Congressman John Lewis. And she is very woke as a public defender. Uh, uh, she she she's uh, uh, she likes uh, the abolition of, of of the requirement for bail, and uh, she wants justice for victims. But she also thinks seems to want tolerance for criminals. And uh, her soft on crime approach that you talked about last time doesn't go over well with everybody, according to Fox Nine. 14 senior employees in the Hennepin County Attorney's Office said they plan to leave when Moriarty takes over. And the exodus from Minnesota's population continues. And even the uh, previous county attorney chimed in on this. More or less said if he, if she thinks that this is, that coming in and doing this radical changeover within this department and move it in a different direction as far as prosecuting crime is concerned, that she can expect a lot of resistance from within the department and members of the public. Uh huh. I'm paraphrasing there, but that's the message I got from his quote. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, how much time we got? I've lost track. You of have got a bit of time. We've probably got a few minutes left. Okay. Ilhan Omar, our uh, extremist leftist member of Congress from Minnesota. Kevin McCarthy, the new Speaker of the House, has said that he plans to pull a Democrat, pull a Pelosi, and remove certain troublesome uh, ideological Democrats from committees, like California Representative Swalwell, who had a, an affair with a China spy, for crying out loud. Uh, Pelosi removed people from committees. Uh, McCarthy said he's going to remove uh, what his critics say is the eternal liar, uh, Schiff from California, the truth denier. Uh, he's going to remove him also. But relating to Minnesota, he intends to remove Ilhan Omar from an intelligence committee because he's so, in his words, anti-Semitic. And Omar just said, well, his many attempts to be voted in is a disgrace. And what he removes and what he does and what we do remains to be seen. But Kevin McCarthy has Omar on his list. But the precedent has been set, as you pointed out. Nancy Pelosi did this to the Republicans by removing committee people from committees. Yeah. So every time uh, you push the envelope one direction, the next uh, person who takes <laughs> yeah. that position has that power with a precedent saying, well, you did it. That's right. May not be the best way to govern, but you did it. Sure. Yeah, it'll be, uh, I think we're in for uh, some tumultuous times in Congress for the next couple of years, to say the least, as we uh, move forward on this next next congressional session and run up to the next presidential election. We'll take a break for news, Tom, and we'll, we'll return <laughs> with more of Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Individual rates cut. Rochester Today, Tom Ostrom, I'm Andy Brownell. National news topics this time. Tom, what do you want to start with? Gateway pundits. Jim Hoft, the Biden regime spent tens of thousands of dollars to house and protect and hide Ashley Babbitt's killer, the Washington, D.C. Capitol Police officer who shot her when she came through a broken glass door. Uh, she weighs 90 pounds. She didn't have a weapon. And he murdered her, some people say. And then he, he took off and he disappeared. His life's been threatened. But... Uh, the, the, the Democrats housed him at a U.S. Air Force base in a luxury uh, uh, environment to protect him, and it cost thousands and thousands of dollars to hide him. And then Ashley Babbitt's mother had a demonstration in Washington, D.C. recently, a couple of days ago, honoring the memory of her daughter and, and uh, the uh, unlawful, in her mind, killing of her daughter and lots of demonstrators were there on her side and the dc capitol police came and arrested her got her out of there and she said since when is it against the law to have a tribute and memorial to my daughter who was murdered but she went away in handcuffs uh oh. seeing her some serious crime you know i didn't know that um yeah. the protective custody that that officer is under would be more or less house arrest in my view uh, he may be comfortable and may be a bit on the upper end scale of accommodations, but he still can't leave. Yeah. 
for his own safety. And I would argue, too, I mean, nope, she did not have a weapon. You're correct. But that officer did not know that she didn't have a weapon. She was carrying a backpack and was trying with others to barge through that door into the chambers while they were evacuating the lawmakers. And for all they knew, they had no idea what was in that backpack. He didn't have any idea what was in the well, backpack. No one else responded that way. And she was, surrounded, she was surrounded by police officers at the time who didn't see her uh, as threatening. They could have taken her into custody. But this guy's a bad actor. Uh, he's had a lot of uh, 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 misbehavior in his career, including leaving his weapon in a it was found by a child. Uh, really? a, a bad cop. Okay, but I'm not. I'm not. It's gonna... a sad story. I see what you mean about her coming through the door, though, and uh, that might alarm uh, one police officer. It didn't alarm the others. <laughs> but everybody, my understanding is, it was the protesters on one side of the door and officers on the other side of the door. But none drew their weapon except this guy. Uh, okay. Yeah. But from in his point of view, and I don't know anything about his past or his career record, or I, I honestly don't. Um, well, I could see, I could see from his point of view that she could have been carrying a bomb of some sort in the back. Well, and people, and people scoff at that, but during yeah. the heat of the moment. Well, there was a bomb. Uh, left outside in the vicinity and that's why the congress was evacuated the offices and everything and they've never helped they've never caught the person that left that bomb outside uh there's film of that but this officer's name is mike bird and he has a sketchy professional record anyway and uh right. he was in the distinguished visitor suite uh, of the u.s air force uh, in in comfort and another and a military but i will say no matter what it, the whole situation was tragic. Yes, it was. I wish, and I'm sure everybody involved wish it hadn't happened. Right. How much time we got? You're so good at keeping track, Andy. Keep on going. We got plenty of time. General Mark Milley, Chairman Joint Chiefs of Staff. Uh, the Republicans are going to be investigating him, too. And if not uh, discharging him, uh, maybe uh, uh, military punishment. Because now we know from the, uh, the book by Bob Woodward, General Milley uh, did his best to obstruct Trump. He dealt with the Chinese warning them about Trump. He hid the nuclear codes from Trump and told the Chinese that and there'd be no attack on them and that Trump was insane. And the Republicans are going to go after this guy. And he hid the nuclear codes from the president while having secret calls with China. They can think a lot of things to charge him with. And they're going to be looking into that with him. And uh, Milley's phone call, uh, according to uh, Trump's uh, uh, former Secretary of Defense, uh, was uh, an unprecedented act of insubordination. And uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff uh, that he is. Um, and then he surrendered uh, the Afghan situation to the Taliban and gave the terrorist groups billions of dollars in weapons. And that guy has made the U.S. military academies woke. And uh, uh, his troubles have just started if the Republicans have their hearings. But as long as Democrats control the Senate, nothing will be done. But if the if the Republicans take over the Senate in the next election, uh, Milley's on their list. You are not a fan of the general. Never have been. No, I noticed that. <laughs> I did notice that. Mm -hmm. As far as um, McCarthy taking over the House Speaker 
position after what well over a dozen votes and a lot of About 15 i think yeah anguished debates uh i think some of the rule changes that got put in place are i think it's a good idea tom uh and yes. as much as some of the individual characters that were involved in this quote unquote insurrection <laughs> um i'm not real fans of them but overall uh i i think perhaps this will hold the speaker more accountable mm-hmm. um, he won't be so insulated from what's actually happening on the floor of the house it'll uh give individual lawmakers a bit more of a chance to have an input into what is happening, make it more difficult for the high senior ranking members of Congress to craft these omnibus bills that if anybody has studied what has gone on with our nation's debt and deficit, you would not be a fan of these omnibus bills. They are full of pork every time they're passed. Sure. And sometimes they're filled with misguided programs that cost a lot of money and continue on past their usefulness if there ever was any usefulness. Yes. They become the pet projects of individual lawmakers and those right. in power can have enough influence and get them slipped into legislation at the last second. So anything to minimize the ability... Uh, uh, of those who enjoy that power to exercise it, I'm, I'm supportive of it. That's um, right. Whether or not these rules will be enforced by the Rules Committee yeah. is a whole other matter. Yeah, but they're going to make McCarthy, uh, and he already is, sufficiently aggressive against the deep state and, and Democrat excesses. And he was a little bit weak on things. And he, and he uh, supported some rhinos against some other conservative... Uh, uh, candidates in the past and I think uh, they're going to put his feet to the fire and they're going to make him a little more aggressive um, and the incoming House Judiciary Committee chairman has accused the FBI of uh, Russian collusion now but no they said that but the FBI has been meddling in the last four elections according to the Republicans and they're going to have their feet held to the fire too and then the Justice Department is concealing allegedly 400 pages of sensitive documents laying bare the payoffs, the gifts to Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, uh, Jim Biden, Joe's brother, and the gifts they got from China, Russia, and the Ukraine. And, and uh, the Justice Department is hiding some of those. And the Treasury Department, too, is not releasing uh, flags that they got on, on Hunter Biden's investments. Uh, so the Republicans, if they're going to unearth the swamp, they've got a lot of work to do. Well, there was some more development on the, well, I guess what do you call it, the Twittergate front? <laughs> yeah. Um, additional emails have surfaced now through the discovery process as a result of the Missouri lawsuit. And they show a Justice Department official making direct contact with top executives at Facebook, voicing displeasure over what Facebook was allowing or apparently was allowing to be present on their social media site concerning the vaccine, the COVID vaccine. And there was a lot of people in the grassroots who were 
skeptical of the vaccine and voicing their opinions. Some of them scientists, some of them medical doctors, uh, putting forward their own arguments, opposing especially a mandate to have children take the vaccine. And according to these emails, the Biden administration, under various officials in the Justice Department and elsewhere, were applying direct pressure to these executives and these social media sites to take action to curb this dissemination of this information. In other words, curb the free speech rights of these individuals and organizations who may have been involved. And it showed clearly that when it wasn't happening quick enough to satisfy the Biden administration, they cranked up the pressure even further and providing even more evidence that the Biden administration was directly involved in limiting the, I guess, free speech rights of those who were on uh, these social media platforms. And it's amazing to me that this thing, this is probably one of the bigger scandals we've come across in a long time. And President Obama was in on that, too, pushing the social media to censor certain people. And as you pointed out last time, Andy, and before that, this is involved involving not just social media censoring, but government officials censoring. Yes. That's what gets into the constitutional, unconstitutional realm. Right, exactly. It's not the idea that this private company doing what they wish to do. These private companies... According to these email exchanges, there's, to me, plenty of evidence to indicate that members of the administration directly pressured them and almost gave them marching orders to do this and more or less chewed them out when they didn't go far enough, according to. And and I don't know how that can be defended. And the FBI allegedly gave money to the social media companies to grease their palms to get their cooperation. uh, the Republicans are going to have a lot of interesting hearings if they're competent enough to conduct them. Well, see, I, that, that particular issue, I hope they dive deep on it. Yeah. I hope more people wake up to uh, the threat to their liberties that were represented by these actions. Every time I hear, oh, they're a private company, they can do whatever you want. This is totally different than that. This is your government. Mm-hmm based upon political speech, trying to limit discussion in the marketplace. And the marketplace of ideas, and it's, it runs counter to everything that this nation was founded on. Right. And even the social media program uh, or, or, uh, platforms and activities, you'd wonder if they couldn't be sued for slander, the things that they labeled uh, their opponents with. I don't know. It's opened up a big can of worms, and it's going to take a long time to sorted out but i i have a feeling that there's going to be people who will lose their jobs over this Mm -hmm. all right we'll take a break tom come back we'll talk about some national oh no international news with rochester today on news talk 1340 kroc am and 96.9 fm some days i feel so down i can barely get with andy brownell and tom ostrom on news talk 1340 kroc am and 96.9 fm welcome back to rochester today Oh, Tom, I got to tell you one funny one um, before we get to the international news. Myself, like half the people on the planet, I got hooked on the show Yellowstone, 
with mm-hmm. Kevin Costner. And yes, at yes. one point in the show, there's a protest taking place over uh, animal rights. And the Kevin Costner character, who is the matriarch of the family, patriarch of the family, I'm sorry, um, goes to talk to the protester, the leader of the protester, and dresses her down pretty good by, you know, she was against the cattle business, whatever it may be, that was happening in Montana. And and I suppose, uh, you know, you're a vegetarian, and he identified some vegetarian foods. He goes, and the, do you know how they're, how you get those foods? Do you have any clue as to how they get to your grocery store? Well, I'll tell you how it starts out. There's a farmer who tills his field and takes action to kill every living thing that's under the ground that would impede the development of his crops. Snakes, demise, he lists off all these little critters that would mm. meet their demise through the farming process. And mm. and it got to the point of uh, what level does the animal have to be cute? What level of cuteness does an animal have to have before you <laughs> carry it? Was, it was hilarious. Wow. It was uh, creative. It was creative. I mean, it, it does you know, point out a little bit more of the level of hypocrisy of some people who try to, and I'm nothing against vegetarians. The diet is healthy in many aspects, and I probably should practice more of it for health reasons as well. So it has nothing to do with that. Right. It's the idea that that could make you somehow more righteous than the person who sat down and had a, a steak. Right. right. And then now they say fish is not meat, but it is. You know, and, it's flesh. And, and fish is flesh, yeah. And then uh, vegetables themselves are living things, so you're killing right. them, yeah. And well, to grow the vegetables, you are going to have to kill other living things. Yeah, that's interesting, that connection, yeah. Okay, we have a couple minutes left. Well, uh, with Speaker McCarthy, uh, uh, the Ukrainian uh, President Zelensky congratulated McCarthy and then gave him some advice. We're counting on your continued support and further U.S. assistance in the conduct of our war. And Republicans like uh, McCarthy are questioning some of that help to Ukraine and how extensive it is and whether or not it's been uh, properly adjudicated and studied and that where this money goes, where the equipment goes, uh, who's getting it, who's not getting it, how it's being used or misused. But anyway, Zelensky got congratulations in, plus some advice for our new speaker. But you got $1.7 trillion in an omnibus bill to fund border security uh, overseas, Andy, but uh, very little, and if any, to, 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 to fund our own borders. But the authors of this bill did see fit to bolster the borders of the Middle East, as I said. Uh, and and uh, whether or not uh, any uh, help goes to the U.S. to strengthen our own borders. But there is a spending bill set aside for border management for U.S. Customs and Border Patrol, whatever that means. Uh, so we'll see what happens with borders. Who knows what's in that bill? I mean, there's some generalizations about spending, but some of the details of this massive piece of legislation... Uh, I imagine it's going to take a while before we learn what's actually in it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then world coal consumption is increasing as Europe gets cold in the winter. Some of the green 
biblical axioms are going by the wayside. Uh, Germany is increasing its coal production. China and India are way up on the scale of using coal and buying coal from uh, coal uh, mining nations. And uh, so I think the cold winter in the Ukraine war has made some of the green fanatics rethink reality. Well, that'll be uh, the central point in the political test facing leaders of Europe, uh, especially Northern Europe. And it'll be seen as China is, until this war occurred, their exclusive supplier of heating gas. And now the United States is actually exporting our natural gas products to Europe to try to make up for some of that Russian supply. But the pressure points are there. Uh, Whether the support for Zelensky and his war can continue as the people in Europe are struggling to stay warm if it turns into a really cold winter, you have some real big flashpoints there Mm -hmm. politically, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But they've had a warm winter so far in Europe. They have some record warmth in many of those countries, so that might ease the situation a bit. It's a little chilly in Ukraine, though, more uh, centrally isolated from the maritime influences of yeah. warmth. And plus, their electric grid is not exactly, not exactly reliable at this point due yeah. to the shelling from the Russians that continues. Uh-huh. Okay, Tom, we are out of time, I think. <laughs> I'm looking at my clock. I'm going, okay. We have to do this again on Thursday. And uh, look forward to that and look forward to not having any technical glitches for Thursday. Yeah, yeah. If folks listening knew what we had to go through to get this thing on the air, they would be, they would have quit long ago. So I'm glad we were able to pull it off. Yeah. All right, Tom. My machinations that might have helped were pure luck and crudity and your technical knowledge of details helped us finally get over the goal line. I told him to punch his computer, smack it really hard and see if it helped. (laughs) Okay. We'll talk to you Thursday, Tom. Thanks so much. You too. Bye-bye. Rochester today here on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. 18-year-old 